the pattern podcast. Make left traffic clear for the option. Minneapolis departure, Archer 641, Charlie, Charlie, 2000, climbing 3000. Line up and wait, 7 range. More Mike Alvin. Mark Tower, 172, Romeo Hotel, hold the code on the 133, ready to take off. I'm John. I'm Chris. I'm Brad. And I'm Mark. And we are the In the Pattern Podcast. All right, welcome to episode 53 of the In the Pattern Podcast. This is Chris. Along with me tonight, I've got uh, John and Brad. And unfortunately, Mark's not able to make it with us tonight. Uh, he's nursing a tweaked, a tweaked knee. Uh, that's what you get for running, Mark. See? We got vehicles for that kind of stuff. Stop it. Stop it. Anyways, John, Brad, how you guys doing? Better than Mark. I'm nursing a tweaked back, so... <laughs> I don't know if I'm better... I'm going to nurse a dry... A tweaked yeah, back? Yeah. Shoveling snow, man. I got out. I got you know, oh, a, you know, ninety-year-old grandfather who's out there shoveling his driveway, no problem. And here I am, you know. Yeah, how many <laughs> millimeters did you get? Uh, actually, no, we got <laughs> we got three or four inches, and it was the lightest snow we've ever had in Maryland. It was like twenty to one or something like that was the ratio because it was so cold. Um, and you tweaked your back. No, no, I know, I know. It's really it's. It, Actually, most of it's because of uh, you know, job doing software. I'm sitting most of the day, and I've been trying to stand up more, but it's been, it's been killer on the back. So I there need to sit go. stand desk or something like that. But uh... that's what. Uh, it, it, first of all, none of us can say crap uh, unless we have a felty on the line with us, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> seven. Rick, seven if feet. you listen, dude, we feel bad for you, dude. I I, I don't even understand the concept of. Uh, feet of snow, let alone seven feet of snow, eight feet. What is that nonsense? <laughs> How many feet of rain do you get a year? Feet? Negative 12? Get a foot do you lose more than you get? It takes a couple <laughs> years. It it definitely takes two <laughs> to more like three years for us to get a foot of rain. At least for you. You know, you can travel That's a little it. further north in the airplane and get some snow. So you're not that far away. You All know. day, yeah. In in forty five minutes right now, I can't yeah, be in snow. Well, no, make, maybe an hour. Depends on the point. snow's fun anyway. I'm gonna nurse a, a nurse a dry throat right now. How about that? Oh, there you go. There you go. Have you heard of this one? It's a line and Kugel. Oh man, it's the uh, bit. It, it's the big butt Doppelbach. I have not heard of that actually. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it, they know big butts in Wisconsin. Let me tell you. <laughs> The sayings, the saying around here is, you know, there's a pretty girl behind every tree in Iowa. In, in Iowa, Iowa huh? and uh, there's a, and the Iowans say that there's a pretty girl behind every tree in Wisconsin, but you can see her on both sides of the tree. Nice. <laughs> well then. Well, I'm gonna, you know, while nursing my back, nurse this uh, 60 minute dogfish head from the tap in the back room. So. Very good. Speaking of uh, the sit-stand desk, uh, I went to that at work, by the way, because um, of the same issue with yeah. my back. Um, just, you know, it's something my wife's told me for years. She goes, you sit and you're hunched over. Your arms are like this. Of course, your back is going to hurt. It's just the way it is. And it doesn't hurt. It doesn't help 
the amount of times I have, you know, tumbled off of my mountain bike or, you know, sports or whatever, you know, and just, and now I'm 43 years old and paying the price. But uh, I went to a stand-up desk at work, so I sit stand, you know, 50-50 most of the day, and, and that's really made a big difference yeah, for me. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hopefully being able to finagle something. It's kind of hard with the cubes we have, but uh, I'm going to try to do it. So I'm not out of commission flying like I am right now for a little bit. Actually, that and for other reasons, but taking a month off. Sadly, not that I could get up anyway, mm. because pretty much with the weather around here right now, there's not a weekend that I would be able to start a diamond. So <laughs> too cold, but more on that yeah. later in the show. All right. Well, it's good to be uh, back together. It's been a little while for us. Uh, life's just kind of gotten the way. It's um, winter anyway. I, you know, not, not went- too many of us have actually done flying. So it's that yeah. time of year. Well, Brad's got uh planes and hangers and uh, heaters for them and such so yeah and we have, we have fancy new blankets on them too we have we got custom Ooh, nice. made custom made blankets for all the planes or uh covers I should say and uh they have the they have the end numbers on them and they 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 fit Ooh. right around it and there's even on the Mooney there's a little access door that you can get to the the oil access door on the cowling uh without having to take mm. the cover off hey Speaking of that, um, is it customary for you guys when you um, are done flying to uh, open that oil cover and undo the uh, um, uh, the dipstick? Uh, oil, the dipstick, yeah, and leave no. it out a little bit. No, no. Um, I don't know why, but they told Franz to do that. Well, he's got a completely different engine, so so, so you can do that, and the, usually the reason is to help moisture escape yeah and that mm-hmm. would make sense where you are um it would not make as much because you don't have humidity <laughs> and not mm-hmm. so much where i am the land of 10,000 lakes hmm. so yeah i would imagine i do know uh one guy who he has sorry i do know one guy who has a um he runs a uh, like a f- air pump that you would put in a fish tank through a bag full of silica gel and then down into, uh, through, after that pumps the, the dry air into the dipstick tube to dry out his engine. Um, and That's then interesting. just once a month he pulls the silica gel out and bakes it. So. Huh. <laughs> Well, that's uh, uh, kind of ingenious and uh, and uh, very useful. It sounds like. Yeah, and I. If you, if you want to go through the trouble, it is each if time. If you want to go through the trouble, he doesn't fly that much, so it it makes sense to dry it out really well. Um, and I do know in the winter time, I get there's a lot of visible moisture on the dipstick when I pull it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, there's certainly there's certainly water that gets in there from the combustion cycle. And uh, it makes a lot of sense to get it out of there. And if if I if we were in a dry place, um, it we it would probably make a lot of sense to leave that open. But as it is, we use the the heaters and to keep the engines the crankcases warm in that, and that probably helps dry them out a little bit in the wintertime too. Uh, but it certainly keeps that keeps the moisture from freezing and and making a mess of the inside of the engine. Well, I imagine that is the why is the reason why he was told to do that. But uh, anyways, 
Uh, so, yeah, speaking of the Mooney, I still have uh, yet to uh, fly it. Um, just, you know, life's been getting in the way. We've uh, um, sold our house, bought a new house, moved. John's really familiar with how that works. Oh, except for the um, selling uh, the house part. Well, yeah. The good news is that uh, we, <laughs> it's kind of a funny story. We um, put We put our house up for sale January 1st. Uh, we had our first person come through to look at it the next day, January 2nd. We had four people come through January 3rd. Um, the, fir- the first person that came through put in an offer, and um, um, it was maybe about four or 5000 less than we were asking. And my wife's like, cool, we'll take it. Let's go with that. Yeah. And I'm like, well, let's kind of hold on a minute. We <laughs> Maybe someone else might want to put an offer in. Who knows? You know, It's only been two days. And uh, two of the other four people uh, from that second day put in offers. And uh, so uh, the the second offer was a little more than our asking price. And the third offer was 11 grand more than our asking price. So uh, we took it. So uh, and uh, no contingencies. So they didn't have a house to sell. So it turned out really good. And the impressive thing for all, for all of us was that it actually appraised for the 11 grand more than we were asking for. That. Nice. So we really lucked out. Wow. Yeah. So we're thrilled um, and uh, all moved into the new house. That was a really long process because we just didn't do it all in just one day like a sane person would. Um, We were actually in this house before we actually had the other house sold. Um, So we just kind of moved like a lot of the big stuff. uh, And then there was a bunch of smaller stuff that I was taking like a load after work every day home with me in boxes and filling up my truck for like a week after that or so. So anyways, uh, got through that and, uh, now we're in the new house working out of the new, I got, I finally have a, a real office, got a little, uh, aviation theme going on here. Looking for a prop to put on the wall. I got one of those in the background. Um, it's not a real have, prop, but, uh, have the one it's from the Mooney. <laughs> bent, bent and all the, with curl, with yeah, curls on like the end of it. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't did need you, as much wall space. Did you guys name the Mooney? Yeah. Is it called Bender? <laughs> no, but we should start painting little prop silhouettes on it. <laughs> you really should. <laughs> you sound like that would be hilarious. No, no, you, you know how like uh, how like aces in in World War yeah, II yeah, yeah, stickers yeah, that's what I mean, yeah. they had to kill. Yeah, yeah, you <laughs> little prop oh, okay, silhouettes. yeah, put a little sticker on the side <laughs> yeah. of a curl prop. Yeah, oh, that would be awesome. That's hilarious. If you don't, I'm just going to go over there and do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Don't go there. So, um, so yeah, looking forward to trying to find it. I, I, I'd love to find a broken, messed up prop, but uh, they're even expensive. So Yeah, buddy. Uh, I'm going to end up probably getting some sort of replica. Just bring or a wrench with you when you go to Oshkosh. <laughs> go out, go yeah. out to the flight line in the middle of the night. Yeah. <laughs> no one. Nothing to see here, folks. Put, bring a <laughs> ski bag. Just lick it first. There Once you, you lick it, it's yours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the that's the rule of thumb. Huh? <laughs> but you know, actually, though, at, at Osh, though, don't they have like all those tents and stuff with like old parts and just random stuff you can buy? I'm sure you could find a prop at Osh. Might might be spending Maybe, bringing yeah. it home, but yeah. Well, not if Maybe. he drives. I don't know. No, no, I'm flying the Mooney. 
Franz and I are flying the Mooney out. Uh, you know, you say that, but you, you still haven't been flying the Mooney, so I don't believe you. And chances well, are the door's going to break or something. I don't need to be checked out. <laughs> well, and, and I, as soon as you said I'm flying the Mooney, I'm like, there's no way you're going to fit a prop in there. There's no way. <laughs> no. No? No, you can't fit golf clubs in a Mooney. Oh, shoot. I'm just thinking... I'll have to, even a prop off of a cub? No, not even that. You're going to need, like, a Basically, quadcopter. No, quadcopter. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. See, I'm thinking, though, you know, Mooney-wise, we'll, with the rate that we go through Moonies we'll in this podcast... We'll strap it to the bottom. <laughs> what are the chances that anybody's yeah. actually going to fly a Mooney to Osh? <laughs> Ours mm. has been several times, just never with me in it. And you're taking the mm-hmm. six this year, right? Yeah, I'm taking the six, and so Mark had better be there with uh, with his daughter because that's why I'm taking the six. Cool. Otherwise, I need to get some more passengers, I... or I can there or I go. can bring a yeah, bar. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure the FAA will be too thrilled with that one. Oh, they don't care. <clears throat> as long as you're not. Uh... Drinking and serving at the same time, I guess. No, drinking yeah. and serving is fine. It's the flying part. Yeah. <laughs> at, yeah, yeah. And flight cocktails, anyone? Oh, I'm by myself. Oh, don't mind if I do. Um, so if we uh, if we take the Mooney and that's the plan right now, we end up, we're gonna uh, drop it off in Minnesota and uh, flight commercial back home because he wants to get the uh, the wings um, redone. The um, sealant and the uh, tanks. Hey, it's, I, and supposedly I to that's the place to get that it has done. Two seats available. <laughs> so if you guys are looking for a ride, the last uh, couple hundred miles. Well, no, we we're gonna drop it off in Minnesota. Now we need to get back to Arizona. So we're flying to Osh, then Osh to Minnesota, and then oh, uh, I getting see. A You're going to okay. Commercial flight from Minnesota back yeah. to Phoenix. I'm I'm not gonna help you with that part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That would be the plan if all goes to plan. Uh, that's what we're going to do. And uh, we're looking forward to that for sure. Not sure what days yet um, or how much of the show or, you know, I've I've never been there during the beginning of it. I would love to be there during the beginning of it. you should be there time. for the beginning and uh, the end. Yeah, that would be that'd be the, really the, interesting. The Fisk approach is a lot more insane in the beginning part than it is in the middle or the end. Really? See, I figure mm-hmm. um, Thursday would be the worst because that's the busiest day. It's might it, as well come in with the busiest Moonies. day on the flight line. So, um, it's 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 downright mellow. There's more departures on Thursday, way more departures than there are arrivals. Well, I guess when you count the number of arrivals for the weekend and the number of departures, I guess that's what equates to the busiest day. But I guess the busiest yeah. number of arrivals would be the yeah. Oh, uh, what now? Let's see. Let's move on. Um, I've uh, I've had a chance to go flying since the last time we talked. I'm sure Brad yep. has. John, I don't. I don't. I don't remember. Um, well, I was I wasn't on for episode fifty two. So. so what did I talk about the last time? You know, that's a good question. I should edit that episode. I was gonna say I haven't heard it, so <laughs> I couldn't say. I can't even listen to it to comment about it. <laughs> so, well, we're gonna pretend that I didn't say what I'm gonna say. Actually, I don't think I did because uh, we re- we recorded that before um, the middle of January. So, uh, yeah, um, I do have a flight um, as well. So, cool. 
Well, my flight was probably the furthest out. Uh, last time I went flying was December 28th. Yep, you beat me. That's, uh, that's a long, uh, you know, today's uh, February 19th. That's that's kind of a long stretch Man, you're running me. against those currency there. Uh, I know, huh? Um I uh it was it was a you know another flight up to Sedona but it was with uh it was with a a big group of people so it was kind of an organized uh, breakfast up there at the uh at the restaurant and um I got a uh, a message through Facebook from uh one of the lo- one of the local pilots down here Teresa Farley and uh she had a a friend come in town another aviator from from Canada her name's uh, Sylvia Storm and um they asked me if they could tag along with me, catch a ride with me up to up to Sedona that day because they were going to a concert. I can't remember what concert, a rock concert, the night before, and they said they probably wouldn't be fit to fly the next morning. So <laughs> I said, "Sure, yeah, um, feel free to, to to jump in the plane with me, and uh, and we'll go up together." So uh, so we did a nice flight into uh, Sedona and. Uh, and I, I got to tell you, it was, was some of the smoothest weather. Um, it was really nice. Um, there was probably, geez, 25 or 30 people at the breakfast table there. I guess um, it was it was it was nice. There was a bunch of planes that flew in, so the pattern was uh, certainly busy. Um, it was kind of cool as I was turning. Uh, um, downwind to base or base to final, I can't remember which. Um, I heard someone on the radio chime in, and I'm like, that's Jackie, my old my old instructor. Nice. Um, recognize her voice from anywhere. Now, Jackie had had a heart attack. I um, saying that. Yeah, some, a few months ago. I can't remember what month it was exactly, but she had a heart attack and had a quadruple bypass. Um, she said she was... Um, uh, released by the doctor fit to fly six weeks later. And the only, her only stipulation was as far as, as far as teaching goes is that, um, she wasn't able to do primary training. She had to have someone who was already a pilot so she could do instrument. Yeah. She could do instrument training. She could do commercial training. She could do recurrency stuff, you know, uh, BFRs and stuff like that. So, it was it was really cool. I was like, "Hey, Jackie," and she goes, "Hey, who's this?" And I said, "It's Chris." She goes, "Oh my gosh!" You know, so it was it was cool to see her, um, and uh, it was just a really nice fly-in and um, and kind of an impromptu, uh, not an impromptu, I should say, because there was there was plenty of planning ahead. But it was nice to meet up with a lot of people that uh, we chit chat through Facebook uh, through a uh, um, like a little. Uh, Arizona Flyers type uh, Facebook uh, group or whatever. So it was nice to put some faces uh, to the names for a change. And uh, good flight, a good flight back. It was kind of fun. We uh, went down um, below um, Canyon level. There's this like, um, I don't know. I, I'd, I don't know if you'd call it a gorge or just this crevice where this, um, um, Mesa just like is like cut in two, and so you kind of drop down below the tops of the Mesa, and uh, so you really kind of get an idea of how fast you're going. It's a lot of fun. So, uh, Teresa and uh, Teresa and uh, Sylvia had a good time, and uh, we had some good breakfast and good flight back. Oh, 
this this was kind of funny on the uh, on the um, approach into Sedona on the landing, um, and this had been, gosh, probably six or seven weeks since I'd flown too since the previous one of those. It's been few and far between this uh, in the last uh, six months for me, but uh, but uh, man, I just I just barely rolled the wheels on, and Teresa's like, whoa, 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 let me check the GPS to see if we're actually on the ground here. She wanted to check the <laughs> altimeter. <laughs> nice. So, uh, so I was, uh, got, got lucky, uh, on that one, did a pretty good one into, uh, and uh, back into Glendale. I tried to slip it, but man, slipping a Cessna is just a 172 anyways. It's just, it, they just don't very <laughs> it's well. It's very true. I'm sure there's people that can do it. it. There's just no rudder. Um, the Archer, I could slip that thing all day long. It was so easy to stay in that crabbed wing down slip but it just seems like the 172 just comes out of it by itself no you could have your foot to the floor and it doesn't matter um but i don't know it's probably technique there's probably people that can do I it mean, really well i'm not i mean I'm you can do it it just doesn't like to it just doesn't like to you know <laughs> it's a 172 it's yeah. it's very uh and now that i've i've flown the, the diamond i i see the differences between the two and the 172 just it doesn't like to move out of that nice stable position it's yeah it's, it's so stable yeah. it's like hey hey i'm not supposed to be doing this Please you gotta level. like you gotta like beg and, and coach and kind of pet it a little bit I'm like come on come on baby you can do it <laughs> it's like i'm pumping the brakes here i got my foot i keep pushing it to the floor it doesn't do anything just waggling the back yeah, end it's like my versa so yeah yeah so that's my last uh flight in the last uh 60 days or so. I'll say you guys. Uh, I can go next. I had uh, a little bit of a gap um, of about two months. And then um, in January, I started getting um, getting back into a little bit more. And uh, took the Mooney out and did some day flying and uh, did three landings just to make sure I, I still knew how. And then uh, a few days later... Uh, took the Warrior out and uh, flew around the Minneapolis Bravo and did some touch and goes at um, in Lakeville, which is south of the Twin Cities, um, and uh, then came back for one last landing at Crystal, and then uh, just uh, last week uh, flew down to a safety seminar in Rochester, Minnesota, uh, in the Mooney, and uh, gorgeous night flight um, had a great. Uh, had a great trip on down there. Uh, had a really good uh, safety seminar. Uh, finally learned what maximum demonstrated crosswind component actually means. Um, and because I never really knew what the definition was, I knew that it wasn't the maximum crosswind in which you were able to land the airplane. Um, but I didn't didn't know how can they I, actually certified it. Can sure, I guess? Is it it? it I thought it was the maximum um, crosswind that the test pilot was able to do in that plane at the time he was testing. That's that's half of it. There's there's one other okay. important part. So when the test mm-hmm. pilot is landing the plane for the maximum demonstrated crosswind component, they put in no rudder correction. They land it sideways. 
And okay. so, like in an archer, the, the maximum demonstrated crosswind component is 17 knots. That means that the test pilot landed it at 17 knots sideways to the runway, and the gear didn't shear off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, there you go. Um, but okay. you know, if you do apply rudder correction and, and do point it down the, the runway, you can land it with quite a, quite a bit more crosswind. Um, 25 mm-hmm. is about the highest I've ever gone. And it's fine, you know, even in a, a low-wing plane where the, the wingtip's getting down there, uh, it, it, it does just fine. I wouldn't land it that way on an ice-covered runway, but um, <laughs> because it'll just blow off the side. But I wouldn't, mm-hmm. I wouldn't hesitate to land it on a dry, paved runway. You know, grass would be again a different story. Although side loading on grass isn't a big deal, um, but you know, wet would be a different story. But uh, you know, you can do it. Just gotta keep the nose straight. Yeah. I think uh, I've been into the twenties uh, somewhere in the archer too. Yeah. And uh, yeah, well, with the uh, with the added help of a rudder, it's certainly <laughs> less. Uh, Less dangerous than without, that's for sure. Yeah. Oh, yes. Definitely, you know. But it's nice to know that even if you do completely screw up, the, the gear's not going to just fall off. Um, well, so, that's also so, on a, like, newish plane. Well, yeah, that's true. Not sure. battered by <laughs> rentals and students. <laughs> true. <laughs> Thousands of hours of other idiot students doing the same things. Uh, yeah. yeah, and, yeah. Um, and actually, it was kind of an interesting flight down. Uh, I took a friend of mine, and we flew down there um, to to go to this seminar. And uh, I was flying into Rochester's Towered Field. It's, it's towered 24-7. And um, it was dark by the time we got there. It was a night night takeoff and landing, as it as it turned out. And uh, I, I got all lined up, and they had the rabbit lights on, you know, the approach lights and everything were all, all going. And... Um, I was watching watching it coming in, and I was having a little bit of trouble getting it slowed down. Um, the Mooney um, liking its 71-knot final approach speed at the fence. Um, but it is like a 9,000-foot-long runway, so I figured I had room. But in any case, the, it didn't turn out all that great, and I kind of bounced the landing. And mm-hmm. uh, it bounced, and it came down. Uh, and was getting ready to bounce again, and I'm like, there's no way I'm bending a third prop on this plane. I mean, not that I bent the, the other <laughs> times, but, you know, it, it we're not going there. So I swallowed my pride and powered up and went around and just told the tower I'm going around, and they asked, do you have any problems? <laughs> I said, none other than my ability to land the airplane effectively. Um and uh, went around and came in the second time and, and had a very nice landing and it was all good. But it was it was nice to know that that uh, that I would actually just do it. You know that it was no big deal. Mm-hmm. Nothing nothing bad happens. You know it it doesn't bruise your ego too hard. And um, you know even though I had done three very nice landings, not you know a couple weeks before that, um, that in the case where I did I did boing it. Um, it, you know, you firewall the throttle. It took right off. I it took. I was almost at pattern altitude before I turned crosswind because the runway's so damn long. Um, <laughs> and uh, came around and and it landed just fine. You know, on the on the second try. Um, 
Yeah, so nice. it was all good. It was all good. Uh, and on the flight back, I finally got my Class Bravo transition through the surface part of the Bravo in Minneapolis, the first time in five years. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Got to fly within like two or three miles of the big airport and, and right next to downtown and got cleared all the way up to Crystal. Wait, so that so their transition isn't actually over the airport? No, this is not an a this is not a VFR corridor. This is just you're cleared through the Bravo on this course, you know, direct crystal. Mm. Um but I've never okay. been in that center circle, this the circle that goes all the way to the surface. Okay. Um, not once in five years have I ever been allowed in there. And they're like, yeah, it's really quiet. Why don't you just go ahead? So in your transition, so in your transition um, were you ever in the approach or departure path of other aircraft coming out of there? Uh, I would have been. Let me think. Yeah, I would have been. Uh, there just wasn't anything going okay. in or out of it at that time. Yeah, which is why they gave you the okay that day. Which is, see, I just don't understand why they just don't say, cool, you know, and they just give, you know, have those corridors that are over the edges of the runways, you know. I mean, it's it's just not dangerous. We have runways that point in every direction. Oh, that's right. So yeah. we have three different directions of runways, so there's no way to pull that off. That's true. And there's parallels in two of them. So, yeah, there's... Apparently, we only have east and west wind here. <laughs> yeah, but we have crossing, and uh, they still, I mean, only, you know, two or three of them are going to be active, so it's usually fine. And they'll route us right over BWI. Yeah, and I wasn't set up to go over the airport. I mean, if I had continued straight, I would have been set up to go over the airport, but, um, but I was assuming that I was going to have to go around. And so I'd already set up my flight to lead me to the left, to the west side uh, of of the Bravo. And so when they gave me my clearance, I was already off of center. Otherwise, that would have been great if they had cleared me right over the top. That would have been amazing. But yeah, it was still good. So yeah, I got my Bravo transition. I got to Crystal. The tower was closed, so I got to land at a nice uncontrolled airport and uh, uh, put the plane away. Put 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 the nice new cover on it, and uh, put it to bed. It was a good day. It was a good day. <laughs> so, good. yeah, starting to get ready for, for a somewhat longer flight um, to, uh, hopefully, to... Well, actually, I have a flight before then, at least. Um, going next weekend to Madison and then Milwaukee uh, and then back. Um, but then in April, I'm hoping, fingers crossed, to make the flight down to Lakeland for Sun and Fun. And that's on the order of what twelve hundred miles or something. What does wow. flight tell me? Eleven fifty. Oh yeah. I won't be the only one. Yeah. That's gonna take. There's a gonna be two of us at Sun Fun this year. Hopefully. So, so are you working the booth or are you doing the air show? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. John, the booth babe. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, that's exactly what you guys want. But you don't want me there. So that's. I would like that's to kind of my update. But, uh, yeah, no, we got to get you there too. You know, the Mooney will get you there in just a few hours. Yeah, same distance, pretty much, probably as Oshkosh. It's, it's, it's probably the same distance for you as it is for me. <laughs> uh, 
<sighs> yeah, I'd like to go see that someday. I, I, but if I do that, then Osh would probably be out. So hmm. it's going to be either where one or the other. Where are you based out of? So. Chris, where's the Mooney? Where's what the Mooney? Oh, it's it. Oh, it's at so Deer DDT. Valley. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Back of my old stomping grounds. Let's see. It is fifteen eighty, of... so it's four hundred miles further. Hmm. Assuming you're willing bad. to fly over the, assuming you're willing to fly over the Gulf for the last three hundred and fifty miles. <laughs> no, I take that back. Oh. Six hundred miles. Ooh. Speaking of uh, Oshkosh, uh, Fifi um, is going to be coming to uh, Deer Valley uh, February twenty third through the twenty eighth. And she may not be the only B-29 flying into Oshkosh this year. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. That other one Doc. Uh, could Doc. very well be up and, up and going yeah. for that one. Could have a formation yeah. flight of B-29s. <laughs> yeah. That takes up a lot of airspace. It does. <laughs> um, yeah, Doc, huh? Yep. What's I haven't heard the latest on on that or yeah, seen any videos. Uh, last I knew, guys. they were just kind of holding out, waiting for some stuff. And yeah, they're expected to do the test flights in a month or two. Um, Wired did a thing about it. They've got three hundred thousand hours in the restoration. Whoa, that's a bit. Wow, that is insane. Yeah, just seems like you could build one from scratch <laughs> faster. Oh wow! I I know they don't take that long to build a 747. Yeah, they have tools <laughs> and jigs and stuff set up for those. <laughs> That's right. A little bit more automation going on there. Wow! Yeah, it'd be cool to see both those there on the ramp. That'd be very impressive. Um, I also heard that uh, I saw that. Um, uh, who, let's see, it's, um, let me find my article. Bert Rutan, he's going to come to Osh this year Ooh. again. It's the, uh, 40th anniversary of the, um, um, very easy. Oh, nice. So he's going to be there for nice. that. It's a sweet plane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is. Uh, it said that uh, in this little article, there's more than a thousand airplanes based on his designs now flying in the United States. That's amazing. That's I mean, there impressive. are only six thousand Cirruses flying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> his planes, people had to build themselves. Speaking of the Cirrus, you saw that video of the the dude who ditched out outside of Hawaii, right? Yeah, bummer, man. When your fuel mm-hmm. valve breaks off in your hand on the tank, is that what it was? Well, he had that. Well, he had those extended tanks put on yeah. or whatever in. to make that long flight. Yep. They were inside the plane. Um, they were. It was in inside the yeah. plane. Yeah, like uh, for for a ferry tank or whatever built specifically for that flight or whatever. But is that what yeah, happened? The valve, the, the broke, valve off. broke. He he, <laughs> he turned the valve to turn it to that extra fuel yep. or whatever. Or back to the wings, or whatever the case may be, and it, it literally, literally broke. broke. Wow! That was so yeah, I knew it was a mechanical problem. He had a plane. He had a he had a fuel yeah. tank right behind his head as he's going in, mm-hmm. <laughs> spewing fuel all over the inside no, of the airplane. It just, but it was right. Oh. 
not where you want to have yeah. fuel <laughs> when you're ditching. Well, the good thing is, is that he was going into water, Under but uh, it, you know, if that thing comes loose and hits you in the back of the head or whatever, With a rocket but... firing off right beforehand. Yeah, yeah, but but uh, again, uh, the uh, the um, shoot did its job and, and uh, beautiful coverage of it. You know? Oh yeah, yeah, that was pretty cool from the uh, yeah, Coast Guard. But it fell for a long time, dude. Yeah, he was he was a ways up there. Yeah, but uh, yeah, he he put it in there. It, it started, you know, it, it sunk pretty quick, didn't it? After he got that yeah, door the open, shoot, of course, the door was open when he hit the ground. Yeah, he had the door open when he when he hit the water. The shoot hit um, the water. The shoot went downwind predictably, um, and pulled the yeah. plane over on its side, and so the plane yeah. started to fill. The cockpit started to fill with water in. Something it was under ten seconds, but it was it was plenty long enough yeah. for him to get out with the raft, and then yeah, it was classic. I mean, he just he nailed yeah. it. I mean, it he was did a great door job open of, before he hit, it ready was to go, and then as soon as he was in, he was out. Yeah, and... right. He had he had coordinated yeah, with everything his, with his raft, and he, and he had found a ship, and the coast guard had come had sent a plane out, and you know, I mean, he he had a lot of time, and he used it very wisely. Yeah, it was probably a good. It was good that he popped that thing as high as he did. Um, a lot of us watching it were probably going, really? Why are you doing that so high up? But then you're thinking, you know, he's got a lot of stuff he's got to get prepared for. So, Well, yeah, and why not? I mean, it's not like you're going to hit yeah. anything. It doesn't matter what part of the yeah, water you hit. You weren't, yeah, gliding closer to the shore is not going to help you at all because so, right. <laughs> you still weren't going to so make use it. everything you got. Use as much time as you need. Um you know, the plane was pointed straight down for a long time as the ship opened. It was a decent amount before yeah. it kind of stabilized. Yeah. I was kind of surprised by that. Yeah. It looked like it was descending at a, at a, at a pretty good clip, too, um, even with that shoot uh, uh, open, just, just because of the angle at which the video was happening. Well, it was really hard to tell hard. altitude. But then... Because you didn't have a ground reference, and then once the ground came in the water, then you're like, oh, okay, that's much slower than what I was thinking it was hitting at. Yeah, but they but they do so, hit. I mean, it it's saves not easy. the passengers, not the plane, right? The, you, yep. you can't just yeah. The plane's still yeah. a wreck every time. Yep. But that's okay. Yeah. That's the important yeah. part. That's what that's what the insurance is for. Exactly. So. Live to fly another day. So, John, you had a flight? I did. I said live to fly another day. That's right. right. No, I did. Um, I, uh, shortly after we recorded our last episode, um, sometime after the 15th of January, I forget what day, um, I went out, took the diamond out for the first time by myself. Um, By by myself, I mean with passenger that is in the CFI. And uh, took my my stepmom up on her first flight. And, uh, oh, cool. Yeah, so it was. You're you're slowly but surely getting that whole did, family. I am. In there. I am. My list is is getting is getting down there. Um, I have a feeling within the next year or so, I'm going to be caught up in the initial batch and kind of ready to start expanding out. So, um, <laughs> that makes me happy. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I took her up. Um, she is notoriously a nervous flyer. Um, absolutely hates turbulence. Uh, I've flown with her commercially a couple times, <laughs> and she's kind of like a wreck the whole time as soon as we hit turbulence. So, um, 
it, it I, I knew it was going to be interesting. I, I didn't really know how it was going to go. Cause you know, it can go one of two ways. Either they're going to keep freaking out or they're going to yeah. freak out initially and they're going to kind of get better about it. Right. As they kind of start to realize what's going on and kind of get a feel for it. Um, cause it's, it's still even, even you know, smaller planes are just different than, than being in a giant mailing tube. Um, most definitely. So, it, uh, you know, I, I was kind of on my toes on, on how this was going to go and kind of ready for anything. Um, and I had planned a flight out to uh, Ocean City, Maryland. Um, now the Diamond has a little faster cruise speed, so I can get a little just farther enough to kind of extend my trips now a little bit um, for the same price, which mm-hmm. is nice. So I was planning on going out to, um, it's about 50, 50 minutes an hour or so to uh, Ocean City, so I was going to do that. And um, I, uh, well, first, I show up at my, my dad's house to um, pick up my, my stepmom. And, um, I, I was kind of looking at, you know, those, uh, I know that the UCAP guys talked about it, those aerostats that they've had, um, the aerostats. Oh yeah. The the balloons. balloons. So there's the one that, yeah, there's the one in Aberdeen, Maryland. Um, there's actually two of them, I think, but there's one that's up right now. And, uh, they had that one up when I, um, when I went up there. So it was the first time I had actually seen it because I hadn't been up that way. So it's, um, I was trying to take some pictures of it because it was, uh, it was interesting. And I, I kind of hear my stepmom kind of jump out of the door as I'm looking up at this aerostat. And then I look over and she's wearing <laughs> this giant NASA flight suit, <laughs> like full orange jumper. Wow. Yeah. And uh, so I, you know, I should have expected it knowing her. And she, you know, she wore it into the plane. She wore it the whole morning. <laughs> and, uh, you know, all wow. the way to the airport, all the way into the plane. I mean, she was committed to it. It was uh, it was funny. It, it made me laugh. Uh, I got a couple of pictures. I'll have to post one of them. But, uh, yeah, so she she wore this giant NASA flight suit. She was like, I'm ready to go. <laughs> um, but we went out to the airport. Um, my dad came out to take some pictures and everything. We went and did our pre-flight. Uh, I got a preheat. Um, which took a little while. It took them a while. They were pretty backed up, and um, the preheater was broken. The one that my flight school owns, so I had to call in a preheat from the um, uh, FBO, um, and they were pretty busy that day, so they were backed up. So we had to wait twenty minutes or so for the preheat, and then uh, do that. Everything's good to go. Pull the plane out, get in, try to crank it. Doesn't really do anything. Now, last time I knew, I know the Diamond has a small battery. I know that I had to be very careful about that. I, I had a couple tries, and then I was going to have to start talking about a jump. And uh, so I tried it once, maybe for about five, six seconds. Um, and it, you know, it was it was just the starter cranking. It wasn't really trying to catch it all. And so I stopped for a second. Then I tried it again, and I hear it, you know, kind of like cranking around, and you know, it's like you know, going, and then it starts slowing down and then it just kind of you know you just hear it just start stopping and that's when i knew the battery that was it i was getting a crank and a half out of it and it was done um you're gonna have to pop the clutch i know i was i seriously like my first thought was all right can we get this on a hill and (laughs) (laughs) i know right that thing so (laughs) just hand prop it um so i knew at that point it yeah no (laughs) 
Mom, stay on the brakes. <laughs> so I knew at that oh, point the, that was it. Battery was gone. Licensed pilot at the controls, so mom has to hand. Oh it. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh good. She'll she'll love that. Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> um. So yeah, that was it. Battery was uh battery was toast at that point. Throw and, mama uh, from the plane. I, I pushed the plane back, let uh, 182 that was in the hangar cross go, and he got started up, took off. Um, by that point, I had contacted the school, because I hadn't actually done a jump in the plane yet, so I kind of asked, I said, hey, we're going to need a jump, you know, what do I need to do? And he was like, hey, I'll send out an instructor. So instructor comes out, he tries to do it, nothing. At this point, like, you turn the key and you just hear it go, eh, 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 and it's like that, that's it. It just kind of goes six inches at a time every couple seconds. Um, <laughs> and so he's like, yeah, he's like, you're, you're going to have to jump it. There's no way we're doing this. So we call in the FBO again, who, mind you, is still really backed up. And they're like, yeah, it'll be a while. We'll come. So um, during that time, I had another instructor in the other diamond that was in the hangar next to us. There's two diamonds a flight school has. He comes out and he starts trying to do stuff and he's like, yeah, yeah, we can't get started. So jump cart comes out. Um, they hook up and we go to do the whole thing and I'm, I'm getting power from the ground because at this point, plug it in, get everything configured. I'm seeing that I'm getting power from the ground because now I've got power in the airplane. Um, go to try to start it. Same thing that was happening before. It's just kind of like every second moves like six inches. And it's like, this isn't getting power from the ground. What the hell's going on? Mm. And so I, I was like, maybe it's still trying to pull from the battery and I need to let the battery charge a little bit or something like that. So let it sit for a little bit. Try it again. Same thing. Nothing's happening. We're like, what is going on here? Like we're plugged into a cart. Why is this not working? Yeah, with a completely dead battery. that should Yeah, work. I know, right? So we're kind of confused. The instructors are kind of confused. The ground people are kind of confused. And we're just like, what the hell is going on? The one instructor's like, man, he's like, I think these batteries are toast. Like, legitimately, the battery in this plane is toast. Um, so at that point, my instructor shows up. Um, and he walks down. And um, they were like, well, why don't we try this? He's like, do we still have the jump cart from the school? And apparently that was charged up. <clears throat> so my instructor goes to get the jump cart from the school. And the other instructor that was there with us, he's like, you know, I'm wondering, we've got a 12-volt jump cart right here right now that's not able to do it. The system in the plane is actually, like, 14, but the jump cart's only 12 or 24. So, obviously, 12 is the only one we could really do, because um, 24 would have blown the whole thing. So, mm-hmm. he's like, I think there's a relay between the starter and either the battery. There's a relay somewhere in there that must have required 14 volts to actually trip to allow the power to go to the starter. So the 12 volt cart wasn't enough to do it. it. Yeah. And so we had to get the 14 volt cart over there to do it. Um, So at that point, waiting on my other instructor to come with the right jump cart, I guess at this point, Um, the guys in the other diamond hop in, they get it started and take off. Um, You know, go figure. Um, so other cart comes. And at this point, you know, we're kind of ready to just pack it up and head home and be done with it. You know, it's it's really cold. It was like 20 degrees out. And we were just kind of like, yeah, this is this is probably not going to work out well. Um, 
but go figure that was that was the case the 14 volt cart was enough to do it and so clearly it just wasn't enough at the 12 and um we eventually got it started so it was about an hour and a half hour and 45 minutes on the ground trying to get this thing started um they are not easy to start did that <laughs> inspire confidence with mom uh there was a couple <laughs> questions <laughs> and um you know, even, you know, I, I said a few things. The instructors were like, you know, once you get it started, it's not a big deal. It'll be fine. Um, it's just cold, and these batteries aren't are small. They're really small for the airplane. Um, so, you know, once you get it started, get them charged up a little bit, you know, they'll be fine. And, uh, yeah, so... She uh, she seemed to be okay, but eventually we got up, went up. Uh, we didn't go all the way to Ocean City because at this point we were cutting the we were cutting it short a little bit because she had somewhere to go afterwards. But uh, went over, did see the ocean. Um, she was nervous at first, but you could tell as it went through, she started getting a little more comfortable with it. And eventually, she even took the controls for a second. Nice. So I'm nice. proud of her for that. Um, how'd she like that? Uh. I, I think it was a little nerve wracking for her, but I think she started to see how there really wasn't much to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, it's not going to flip yeah. upside down by itself. If exactly. You, uh, let go for exactly. a second or whatever. Um, my wife still thinks that's going to happen. Right, isn't though, it? So. My wife thinks the same thing. She will not touch it. She w- she actually <laughs> won't fly the diamond because there's a stick in between your legs. <laughs> oh, uh, I know. Right. Um, yeah, so it was a great flight. I mean, it was a fantastic day. It was smooth as could be. It was, like, just nice. Um, I, I had some good landings. I felt really comfortable in the Diamond. Um, I really liked that airplane. It is so much fun to fly uh, once you get it started. And, yeah, it was a it was a good flight. And she seemed to enjoy herself. So I think it worked out really well. Excellent. So I'm inching closer to that 100 hours. <laughs> but yeah that was pretty much my flight it was the what? you know three hours at the airport two of those trying to get it started <laughs> actually way not uh, way, good job of not giving up yeah, yeah i mean we were pretty close to actually if it wasn't for the other the other cart being charged we would have we called it a day at that point um but yeah it worked out it was fun I like that plane. So one of the reasons why I'm waiting a month to fly again is, you know, there's a couple of things. We're pretty busy and the weather's been so crappy and so cold that I just don't want to try it. And I'm not current in the 172 anymore. So, oh, it's been cold there. (laughs) I thought once you flew a 172, it's your current Mm, for life. Yeah, I wish. No, no. Don't get me started. Uh, Yeah. Do you have Uh, heaters in your plane, John? No. Oh. Okay. No. Well, then that qualifies. Wait, you mean like preheaters or like heater heaters? Engine heaters. Uh, no. Well, no, we don't have any plugs in any of the T hangers. So the only only thing we have is the propane, like preheat. Yeah. Yep. Which isn't terribly effective. It's not horrible. I mean, it, um, it hell, but... it obviously helps and it does a decent job, but it's not like an engine engine block heater, you know? Right. Um. Yeah, we just we just don't have that, and it's not bad when it's like normally you know in the winter when it's like thirty degrees, um, but it's just been in the teens, and windy, and really windy, and just 
just crappy weather all around. It's like, you know, I don't really feel like going out there in 18 degree weather. God, that sounds nice. I I know, but like <laughs> break out the t-shirts. I mean, do you have heated hangers too while you're at it? <laughs> no. No, our hangers are not heated. That yeah. would be They just bought blankets for the aircraft. They got their own blankies. Yeah. <laughs> well, we have I mean, ta- there's a reason Tannis is headquartered in Minnesota, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, and actually, if it was a 172, I probably would do it. But I know the diamond is is even harder to start in the winter. Um, I don't know. It just seems the fuel injected, man. They're just they're just hard to they're hard to start all around. Uh, at least compared to some of the you know like the 172Ps I've flown with a carburetor. I think it's just when you get used to them. You get the hang of it, and it could be. It's it's just it's it's a little more finesse. (laughs) I think is really what it amounts to. Yeah, it it took me a while to learn how to start the Cherokees when it was cold, Um, but eventually, even even me figured even I figured it out. So it can't be that bad. (laughs) But really small batteries that are bad don't really help. So no, I have, and I have encountered the bad battery yeah. uh, on more than one occasion, and it it really stinks. I've had to jump start from a car, um, <laughs> the PA, uh, uh, the Cherokees, and one time the Mooney, um, and that's really that really sucks. I have to say, yeah, um, because you know, with the Cherokee, you the battery is there's an access compartment that you can get to through the aft baggage compartment. It's inside, yeah. Right? And so you you have to take everything out. You open this access compartment. You hook up the jumper cables to the car and to the be- and to the plane, and you jump start it. And now there's a sixty mile an hour wind, and you have to put everything back, take <laughs> and all the, and take prop. the cables off. <laughs> well, the turning prop's a long ways away. You know, I mean, there's a wing between you and the prop, so you're not going to get hurt. But oh, I guess in that to, plane, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you're you're a long way from the prop, but but it's windy. It's cold because it was cold, which is why you couldn't start the plane in the first place. <laughs> right? And yeah. you're trying to reload everything in the back while you're freezing body parts off and they're blowing away. Um with the Mooney, the access door is in the tail on the outside, and it's got eighteen screws <laughs> <laughs> so it's really unpleasant um yeah yeah so the uh actually one of the guys that was in the other diamond that flew out while we were still trying to start he uh, uh they were all telling me um the plane that i was in had recently the week before gotten stuck in cambridge maryland because somebody had stopped there and um, needed a jump because it it wouldn't start again once they stopped the engine. And so there, there wasn't a jump cart or something down there, so they ended up having to fly the other diamond down there with the jump cart to try to start it. And the other diamond gets down there, tries to start it, and then that diamond ended up dying and needed a jump start. So now we had both diamonds 
stuck in Cambridge. <laughs> but at least you have a jump cart. <laughs> With a dead jump cart, because apparently the problem was is they flew down there, but they flew down there and it wasn't charged. <laughs> so they had a dead jump cart and two dead diamonds. And they had to do some finagling to drive down there and drive everybody back, and then th- it was a mess. So, of course... This was the week before, you know, I had the issue. So all the instructors out there, they're like, man, we just had this problem with these. <laughs> and a couple of them were like, if we get this started, you're not going to stop anywhere, are you? And I was like, no, trust me. I'm not stopping this thing until I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm not doing that. It reminds me of when I flew my uh, wife and kids. Um, we um, we rented a a warrior and flew to Sedona, and uh, the whole time, the um, the uh, um, indicator for the uh, charging of the uh, of the battery from the alternator um, kept going to zero, and so I had to have my wife keep resetting the uh, the um, fuse for for that, and uh, then it would then it would show that it's charging again, and so we go up there and. We land, we have breakfast or lunch or whatever it was, and we come back and we're like, going, well, I hope the battery still worked. And, and it did. So it was just it was just a bad gauge. It wasn't actually discharging at all, but the gauge was bad. But uh, it looked like it wasn't charging for half the trip. Yeah. That was definitely one of the things I was very conscious of once we got it started, was looking at that and making sure it was charging, it was charging, it was charging. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, and it was. It wasn't an issue. But, um, cool. Yeah. Uh, well, I have, uh, I have one more interesting story. I wish, uh, Mark was here to hear it, but, uh, but, uh, anyways, um, before we sign off for this evening. So let's see, uh, a couple, a couple weeks ago, I was, uh, I flew back to Missouri for my brother's, um, I was going to fly back to Missouri for my brother's uh, 50th birthday. And so his birthday was January 30th, which was a Friday. So I had tickets from Allegiant to fly from uh, um, Mesa, which is where Allegiant's at out here, Mesa, Arizona, which is about an hour away, uh, to um, Springfield, Arizona, because my brother lives uh, just a little bit, little ways away from Springfield in um, um what is it? Branson area, the Branson, Missouri. So anyways, um, the, the uh, flight was at seven twenty in the morning and I didn't do a very good job of setting my alarm early enough to get up and get going in my mind. I, I don't know, for whatever reason, I wasn't thinking of, you know, Hey, I'm getting on an airliner to go fly. I was just thinking, I just need to drive to Mesa. So I'm backing out of my garage at like six Oh two. And I have a plane to catch that leaves at 7.20. <laughs> and it's an hour drive on a Thursday in morning rush hour. Not well planned out at all. So anyways, I'm, as I'm backing out, I'm like, going, what was I thinking? You know, I'm like, this is just never going to work. So I get on the freeway um, and almost immediately come to, you know, not quite a dead stop, but a crawl. And I'm like, going, oh, no, this ain't going to work. Yeah, I was only in that for a little while, and then the heavens opened up, and I put the hammer down. I'm doing 85, and 
And, uh, you know, there's some traffic, but, you know, not enough that I, I was back down to crawling again, at least, which was nice. Um, so, and it's, it's 55 miles from my house, guys. I mean, it's a, it's a haul. Um, so I knew I didn't have enough time to use the extended stay parking. So I just parked right there at the airport. They have some on-site parking and it's not that much more expensive anyways, but Anyways, um, I park, park the truck, grab my bags, and I am literally running as fast as I can, carrying my laptop bag or my backpack and uh, a bag that's going to be my carry-on. <clears throat> and I'm running. I get inside. Uh, this is a small airport, literally Allegiance, the only airliner that flies out of there. So really small. No one in front of the TSA guy. So getting right in line, hand him my uh, documentation. He okays me to go through. I run over to the x-ray machine, take off the belt and all that nonsense and have my stuff go through there, take my x-ray, yada, 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 uh, grab my stuff, put my belt back on, get my stuff. Now I'm running to the terminal area where the planes are, and I see the sign, and it says, you know, to Springfield, gate 9. And currently I'm in front of gate 6, 7, and 8. <clears throat> so gate 9 is... Just right next door, I mean, I got to walk out of Terminal 6, 7, and 8. A door opens, there's a walkway, and then there's another door, you know, 30 feet away. So I'm running, I'm running, running, open up that, or go through that door, go into the next door, go into this other building is just Terminal 9. There's no other terminal in there. and uh, Or Gate 9, I should say, not Terminal, but Gate 9. I go in there, there's not a single person in there. And I'm like, oh, crap. But I can see the plane. The plane's outside. The air stairs are still connected to it. There's people still out there. So I start yelling at the top of my lungs for help. I'm whistling as loud as I can. Yeah, whistling as loud as I can, and I can whistle really loud. Um, And I'm banging on the glass door. There's people outside, you know, the people putting the baggage on and just other people walking around by the airplane and, and stuff like that, you know, and the people who marshal and whatnot. And I'm banging on the glass door. No one's, no one hears me. No one sees me. And then I lose my mind. <clears throat> I open the door, which sets off an alarm. Nice. The door did say emergency exit only. Something, something, something. Did you declare I don't an know. emergency? All I knew is I had a boarding pass, and that I had to get on that plane. So, I open the door. The alarm sounds. I walk out the door. Now I have all kinds of attention. Okay, plenty of attention. Um, I start walking towards the plane, and some dude at the next plane over sees me. Is like, whoa, 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 <laughs> you know? And I'm like, I'm I'm showing him my boarding pass. I'm like, I got to get on that plane. It's my boarding pass. No, 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 you can't. I go, come on, it's right there. Here's my boarding pass. I'm on that flight. Nope. He goes back inside, and now you're in trouble. I'm like, ah, oh, great. So now he comes inside along with the gate agent who would be at that gate had she had been inside, that is. Um, But after they're done boarding the passengers, they go outside to help them get on the plane, I guess, or whatever. So anyways, I'm begging and I'm pleading to let me on the flight. I mean, it's right there. I'm not going to take any more time to get on it. No, no, no. Um, She's like, uh, she's like, well, uh, she she's in her computer. Click, 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 click. She goes, well, the next plane leaves. I go uh, on Sunday. She goes, yeah. 
I go, that would be my return <laughs> flight. She goes, will that work for you? No! I'm, <laughs> I'm going out there for my brother's birthday party, which is tomorrow, and I come back on Sunday. See how that works? No. She goes, well, is there somewhere else we can fly you today? I'd like to get on that plane. Well, you can't. Somewhere else? I'm like, you don't fly anywhere else in Missouri. So no. Aww. Then the police show oh, up. No. Then the T- then the TSA shows up. Well, you don't up. have to worry about flying anywhere else anymore. Well, not that day, at least. So you know, I tell them the story. You know, um, I mean, there's video coverage of it. Uh, you know, there's video coverage of it in that area. They can see what I'm doing. I'm very compliant, non-combative. You know, never was I threatened with going to jail or anything like that. Um, the police officer writes up on a like it looks like a little three by five card of the incident, um, and then uh, tells me he goes, "Well, <clears throat> this is going to go to about ten federal agencies. You may or may not be fined up to eleven thousand um, dollars. You may just get a written warning too. I don't know how they turn out," he says, um, "but uh, but that's the deal. And whatever the." Um, decision is is the decision there is no appealing it if you do not pay the fine if you get a fine you are then on a permanent do not fly or not a permanent but then you're on a a, a do not fly list <sighs> fine so put my tail between my legs drag my bags back out to the truck drive back home um i text my aunt who is going to be picking me up uh that uh you know, missed my flight. Oh, that's okay, honey. You know, um, when's the next one? I'll just, I'll just come get you then. No, that's, it's not happening today. Oh, okay. Well, you know, she's sad and everything, just like I was. Um, so I go get back home. You know, my wife's here. I tell her the whole story. I just go back to bed. You know, it's, you know, eight o'clock, eight thirty in the morning or whatever. Uh, I go back to bed because uh, I got up real early and only had like five hours sleep from the night before, maybe four. I don't know. Um, and I hear her, uh, like at 11 o'clock she's up now. Cause I think she works at night and she's talking on the phone to, um, some of our best friends and they're like, you know, would Kansas city work? You know, we'll just use our points and get them on a flight to Kansas city. You know, I'm like, well, you know, that's all well and good, but, uh, I'm not going to be able to use my return flight. Cause if you don't make your originating flight, they'll just cancel your return one. I tried that before with Allegiant. I mean with uh, Southwest one time. For whatever security reasons, they think that that's a risk. So I'm like, but I don't know. So anyways, I get up uh, and I get on the computer and I start – I get on the chat with uh, Allegiant and I say, hey, I missed my flight this morning. Um, Can I still use the return flight if I get there uh, with a one-way ticket from, you know, another airline? They're like, yeah, that's fine. We still see you booked. I go, so so I'll still be able to get on that flight. Yep, and then click and and the connection's done. I'm like, well, that was really scary. I did the TSA just like knock me off of this chat with these people. What's going on? I'm getting a little paranoid. Um, so I start another chat with them again, some other person, and I go through the same thing and ask them the same deal and confirm like three different ways of asking that question. And they each time, yes, yes, and yes, the flight, you can still get back on it. So I screenshotted all of that and printed it out because <laughs> I'm thinking. not going to get to the – I'm not getting to Springfield, and then I'm not getting on that plane. You know, I We're going to talk to Alyssa and your manager and everybody else, so I'm getting on that plane. 
anyways, uh, so um, I checked my Southwest card. I had points, so I got my own one-way flight there um, on uh, Friday and uh, and made it and, and got back. And uh, day before yesterday, I get certified mail, um, a letter uh, from the TSA, um, letter of investigation, just basically asking for my side of it, um, if I would like to respond with my side of it so they could finish their investigation and make a ruling on it. So I have to basically tell them the story that I just told you. Um, just send them uh, a and, link to uh, the podcast. And, and, <laughs> and beg, beg for forgiveness, you know. So... How about that? <laughs> the moral of the story. Mm-hmm. Don't go through the crash bar that says emergency exit only. Yeah, authorized personnel only. So should have taken the Mooney. Had there been a gate agent, had there been a gate agent actually at the gate, would this have ever happened? You know, clearly no. But uh, TSA runs a very. Um, tight ship, um, very minimalistic. And so, you know, that gate person's pulling double duty. Uh, so they weren't there to answer questions. So anyways, had there been a gate agent there, maybe I would have got on the plane. I don't know. Cause there was time. I mean, by the time the police came, the, the plane at that point was just being taxied back or pushbacked. So it was there for 10 minutes while I was there. (laughs) So it's not like I would have actually held it up by any amount of time. But it uh, it is what it is. Um, there was, you know, never any, you know, arguments or yelling or, you know, there might have been a little crying. But there definitely wasn't any yelling uh, <laughs> um, and, uh, and no threats or anything like that. So I, you know, I hope and pray I just get uh, a little written warning out of the whole thing. So anyways, don't do that. I don't suggest it. Bummer, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and on that note, how about we uh, finish this podcast? Fair enough. Well then. Ah, <laughs> uh, shoutouts. I just had one for uh, for Launchpad Marzar- Marzari. I hope it's pronounced. Um, who is getting checked out in Fifi? And has been doing what? touch what? and goes in Fifi all week. What? Yeah. Whoa. Wow. He's living the dream. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he's got some video nice. from up in the Bombardiers uh, Bay doing touch and goes. That's cool. That looks like fun. So, big tip of the hat. Happy for you, man. I wonder if he's going to be the one who, who, who flies it out here to Phoenix. I don't... Uh, he might be with the plane. I don't think he is getting trained in as PIC. Um, oh. But he is volunteering and doing a lot of maintenance and uh, um, that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Cool. Well done. Yeah. That looks like a blast. I would love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My, wall- my wallet would not. Exactly. <laughs> it, it is less expensive for me to fly the Mooney to Lakeland than it is to do the flight on the B-29. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the B-29 takes more uh, takes more fuel and energy to uh, taxi to, to taxi and run-up than it does in your whole flight. Yeah. 
again. <laughs> I did see a scary stat, um, speaking of, of using fuel. They're looking at re-engining the B-52s, because they still use the same engines that they had on them when they were built in the 60s. And mm. uh, they burned 3,000 gallons an hour at cruise. <laughs> How do you carry enough fuel for that at that burn rate? They're big. Wow. Yeah. But that's a lot of stinking fuel. Eight engines, baby. Wow. Yeah, I know. That's a lot. Uh, I got a shout out. Um, uh, shout out to uh, uh, Teresa and Sylvia for uh, coming along with me uh, with our flight to Sedona. It was good to uh, see you both and uh, enjoyed the flight with you. Um, another shout out to uh, uh, how about Sonics Aircraft? Uh, they just delivered their first Subsonics uh, personal Did jet. They really? I just that? saw that. Yeah. yeah. The, the kit, I assume, or the fifty-one yeah, forty-nine kit. That was a kit. Mm-hmm. And and the and the test pilot took it up and uh, flew it and everything and and uh, did all the you know uh, maneuvers in it and stalls and whatnot and and uh, to deliver to the uh, owner. Nice. That awesome. Yeah. That is a sweet plane. We got some awesome footage mm-hmm. of that from uh, Ash. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool plane. That makes it look so like so much fun. That that guy. Um, I don't know if it was at the same kit or a different one, but I just saw a video uh, earlier today of um, a Sonics that was flying over here in Phoenix at the uh, just around um, the glider port, which is over by the lake that I that's by my house. So it's it's you know maybe like a twenty minute drive uh, to this uh, glider port, and he was doing like low level aerobatics in it. Uh, if I can find the video, I'll uh, send it to you. Hopefully not too low level. It's kind of low. Or, with, or hopefully with a box. There it is. Low level aerobatics practice at turf soaring in Phoenix. Um, in the subsonics. And this was um, posted just two days ago. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the video. So... Anyways, anything for you, John? Yeah, um, just a shout-out to the plethora of instructors that helped me try to get the diamond started. Um, thank you to that. Um, <laughs> and, you know, my my stepmom for uh, bravely going up. Uh, I know it was it was difficult for her to say, yes, she wanted to go up and actually going up with me, but she seemed to enjoy herself in the end, so glad that we got to do that. Um, yeah, that's all I got. So cool. let's, uh, let's wrap this thing up. Chris, where can we find you in, online? You can shoot me an email at, uh, Chris at in the pattern com, or you can uh, find me on the Twitter at, uh, C Z C H O L U B A Z. Same thing for my YouTube videos. And Brad, how about you? You can reach me via email at brad at inthepatternpodcast.com. You can find me on Twitter at uh, Brad Kane, uh, on the Facebook, or on uh, Diaspora at bkane at diaspora.kane.com. Kane being spelled Kilo Oscar Echo Hotel November, just like it sounds. Of course. And for me, you can find me at john at inthepatternpodcast.com. I'm Pilot Conway on Twitter and pretty much anywhere else online. 
you can find any of the um, other people's airplanes YouTube videos that I uh, work on at youtube.com slash flyopa or flyopa.com. Um, for all of us here at the podcast, you can reach all of us at podcast at in the pattern podcast.com. We're also on Twitter as in the pattern, or you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash in the pattern podcast, uh, show notes for this episode. And you can find all of our other episodes, uh, at our website in the pattern podcast.com and, uh, go ahead and send us any suggestions, comments, or critiques. We'd love to get any feedback. And if you get a chance, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes as well. That'll help. Uh, other people find this podcast. Um, so with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up this episode 53 of the In the Pattern podcast. I'd like to thank y'all for listening. And remember, make left traffic. You're cleared for the option. and other great shows at the Aviation Media Network. The Voices 